Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new Ultra Micro Diameter Injection Arrows. Injection utilizes the new Deep Six standard for more big game penetration than ever before. Learn more about the injection today at www.eastonarchery.com. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, editor Christian Byrne. All right, welcome back to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. We are the voice of bowhunting. And as always, excited that you're spending some time with us today. We have got a really practical and exciting show for you today. I've got a guest who's no stranger to the bow hunting community. He's a highly successful, uh, uh, accomplished archer in the worlds of uh, both target archery and in bow hunting, and probably best known nowadays as the host of Knock On TV on the Sportsman's Channel, none other than the Mr. John Dudley. Dud, uh, thanks a lot for being with me today. Really appreciate it. No problem, man. It's always fun. What's going on in Iowa these days? Your food plot's looking good? You getting fired up for the season? Yeah, well, for some reason, the uh, the rain god hasn't figured out yet that I like rain on my yard in the spring, and I like rain on my food plot in the fall. So I got a ton of rain on my food plots in the spring when I didn't need it, and now I'm getting rain here in town away from my farm in my yard when I don't want it so it's kind of been backwards but hopefully they uh they get some rain and yeah it's it's time for food plots to be growing right now well I'm sure that uh I'm sure that the Lord will send you a little bit of moisture and you'll be in good shape because I know you got a couple really good setups over there and uh the topic that we're actually going to talk about today will be somewhat you know not wholly dependent on those food plots but for sure probably even better if those food plots get the rain and that is decoying bucks uh in the rut this is um kind of a companion interview for an article that you wrote for us uh that's in our november issue or will be in our november issue here that folks can check out i'm actually calling it decoy magic john and uh oh okay that that uh it's because you know like you wrote in the article, when when everything is right and those bucks get in that mode, when they're really, you know, seeking those estrus does and doing their thing, that can be a really magical tactic to use on those on those bucks as the decoy. Am I right? Yeah, for sure. I mean, a lot of a lot of uh, I guess kind of high profile hunters are pretty vocal about their favorite times of year a lot of people you know pick the rut a lot of people pick you know late season uh you know but and and some people really prefer the early season too you know where they can pattern bucks but to be honest my my favorite time is when it's when you're in that you know 10 to 14 day window of a decoy working because you know it's just it's the best interaction, and it's just, I mean, it's its like calling in a turkey and having it work right in front of the decoy in front of you, or, you know, or even back when I waterfowl hunted, you know, just having the perfect decoy set up and seeing, you know, having everything be fooled, and it just, stuff just come right into your lap, and when you do it the right way, and they're in the right mood, 
I mean, it, it really is. You can almost just draw a circle on the ground and say, well, that's where that deer is going to, is going to end up if he comes out and, and, uh, and interacts with this decoy. Yeah. And there's not that very, very many times that you can control, you know, control is not quite the right word, but for lack of a better one, where you can control what white-tailed deer do. And, of course, we've all experienced, you know, the frustration of how many times, you know, if you had a good buck, you know, just outside of bow range and you try, you know, you grunt, you bleat, and maybe he stops and looks for a second, but he just keeps going on his way. So to actually have, you know, a deer like that literally, you know, suck right in to within... 10, 15 yards of your stand and, and, you know, come in on that decoy, that's a rush. Yeah. Yeah. It, it really is. And, you know, I've, uh, you know, fortunately right now I live here in Iowa and, and a lot of, some of my best success with the decoy has actually come out of this state, even back when I didn't live here. And, uh, I've never, I guess I've never shot like a, you know, like a Boone and Crockett over one. I guess I've never even seen one to have that happen, to be honest with you. But I've, I've had some of the best deer that I've ever shot. Just, I mean, just button hook in around on a, on a rope. And, and actually some of my best, some of my favorite stories just to tell people are stories that I've, that I've had over a decoy. I mean, it's just, it's really, the best time for someone that really loves interaction with bucks to get to enjoy that. And, uh, and my, my decoy, I call him Jethro. He, uh, he's definitely chomping at the bit to get back out again and, and, and work some magic. Well, let's start off. You mentioned some stories and let's start off with that story that you told at the beginning of your article, because, I'm going to venture to guess that yeah, that's something that most of us will never experience, and I, I'd be willing to bet my bottom dollar that you'll never experience anything quite like that again. But why don't you recount that little hunting story? And as you said, that's something that happened in Iowa, but quite a number of years ago. I don't. You tell me how long, John. I saw that photo that you sent in. That was a very young John Dudley with that buck. Yeah, yeah, I was a little bit younger there. Um, well, and I guess I don't know how much of the article I want to give away, but um, yeah, that was that was just an amazing day. Um, actually, the part that I didn't tell about that story was I was down here hunting with a buddy. Um, he was just kind of a, a good old boy here from Iowa. His name was Earl, and uh, I had worked with him on some uh, in some Christian youth camps or at his youth, Christian youth camp, I should say. And, and uh, so I came down hunting with him, and, you know, he would tell me, well, you know, there's a really good spot over here on this farm. I've got to stand there. And I would go to that stand, and this is over the course of a couple days, and I'd get in a tree, and the, the stand would be all, like, leaning forward and leaning to the side, and then I'd have to readjust the stand in the tree because, you know, I'm going there to stay for the day. You know, or then he'd send me to another stand and the tree pegs would like spiral all around the tree as you're going up. Or then the next one, they'd be like nails in the tree. And every single setup I went to was like not particularly safe. So finally on this third day, he's like, well, where do you want to go? And I said, man, I'd love to go to a spot where, 
you know, I want to be able to decoy, you know, get me out where I can, you know, where I can have, where deer are going to be able to see me. I said, but, you know, I want to just be in a stand where I can go there and get in the tree and I don't have to make noise resetting everything or spiraling up the tree. You know, I just told him, I said, these things are dangerous, you know. So he told me, he said, well, I'm going to send you to a tree stand that, that, uh, he said that, that I had a girl sitting in last year. He's like, and if she could sit there, then I know you can. You won't whine about it. So I went there, and uh, it was about a half-mile walk in, and I was carrying, you know, all my gear. It was super cold. I had all my gear. I had the decoy. I had my camera gear in my backpack. I had my bow. I mean, you know, I'm, like, walking across this field trying not to, to burn up, and it was a it was a real big alfalfa field. Um, that kind of had some CRP around the timber edge. And I was going to this point where the wind was kind of blowing from the bulk of the timber towards this other point. So it's kind of a natural deer crossing. And uh, I went there and, and set my set my decoy all up and everything. To be honest with you, I was running a little bit late already, so I was kind of a little bit upset with myself. So I get that out, and then I get everything out of my pack, and get you know get my camera gear all out get ropes all hooked up to it and then I climb up the tree I got like the ropes kind of hooked on me I climb up the tree and when I go to grab the seat on the tree stand which was a homemade tree stand um the dang whole seat just ripped off in my hand and I'm like are you kidding me and it was I mean it was a stand where one I wouldn't feel safe standing in it for the night and then two for sure, you know, I'm not going to be sitting on a one-by-one one bar all night. So um, I kind of just got down out of there. I was saying a few choice things under my breath, and I was like, man, you know, and I, this was back when I only had five days vacation. So, I mean, this is like two days left of my vacation, and I'm using every bit of it to hunt, you know. So I'm I'm upset that things aren't going my way. So I literally throw all my stuff on my back, and run up, and I just grab the decoy around the waist, and I'm thinking maybe I can make it to one of these other stands on another farm before it gets dark. And I literally grab my decoy around the waist, I pull it out of the ground with the stake still dangling out of the thing's hooves, and I just go stomping across that field. And I'm about halfway across that field, and I kind of look back to, to, you know, to just reminisce about how disappointing that was. And when I look back, I see this huge buck standing there. And I, and to be honest, I took like another three or four steps. I was like, oh, well, that was a big buck. And then all of a sudden I like stopped and I'm like, holy, that's a big buck, you know. And I turn around and he's just like looking at me. And I'm thinking, oh, well, he's busting me. He's going to run. Well, I sit there and he's looking at me. I could see him kind of licking his lips. And, I, and then I kind of thought, you know what, he he might be seeing the decoy more than me. So I kind of just set the decoy down and and got down behind it with my knees, and sure enough, here he comes. And, I mean, he just starts walking to me, and he's walking across this wide-open alfalfa field that's probably six inches tall. And this buck is, I mean, I've the buck's like 22 inches wide. You know, he's, I mean, it's a 100, mid-150s deer. It's a giant buck. And he just starts coming, so I... I kind of get my pack off my back and I'm rummaging around in there trying to find my release. 
I find my release, and as I'm, like, strapping it on, I'm looking over the top of the decoy to see if he's still coming. Sure enough, he's still coming. So I kind of peek back down. I get my arrow. I knock my arrow on my bow, and then I peek back over, and sure enough, he's now he's, like, 50 yards still coming. So I kind of look back over. I dig out my range finder. I peek back over, and I range him, and by now he's, like, 30 yards, maybe maybe a little more. So... My idea was to pull my bow back like if I was antelope hunting, you know, when you go out there with your buck decoy and you stick it in the ground and then, you you know, you hide behind it. Well, when I went to pull my bow back, since the decoy wasn't staked in front of me like when you're antelope hunting, it was just leaning against me. As soon as I moved to draw my bow, the decoy just like kind of tumbles over and just hits the ground and like the ear, a couple ears fell off and a horn falls off. I mean, it, it was, you know, it was like crash to the ground and with, you know, without thinking about it, my natural reaction was to pick the decoy back up. So I wasn't exposed. I should have just pulled the bow back and just taken that last second to shoot him. Hmm. But I grabbed the de I let my bow down. I grabbed the decoy and I picked it back up. And as soon as I like got it up against me, I kind of thought to myself, well, that was stupid. Sure enough, he's, he's definitely ran now. You know, and I'm thinking, why didn't you just shoot him, you know? So I look back over the decoy, and now he's standing there, and he's, like, kind of scraping the ground. He's got his ears pinned back, and he's just got slobber coming out, and he's licking his nose. And I'm like, holy cow, he's coming. Like, now I know he's he's coming to ram me. So he puts his head, kind of cocks his head, and he starts sidestepping into me or towards me, so this time I thought, okay, put your bow over the top of the decoy and draw it back. So I put my bow over the top of the decoy, and the whole time I'm looking at him, he's 20 yards or less, quartering to me, looking like he's getting ready to just put both horns through me. And I draw my bow as hard as I can, and it stops about three-quarters of the way back because the decoy is, like, pinned between me and my bowstring, and I cannot pull the my bow back any further so mm. I'm, i kind of just when i'm stopped right there i just bring my release hand up to my face so i can look straight down my arrow like if i was shooting traditional and i'm and i just look at the buck and by now he's i mean he's just right the only thing i can see in front of my arrow is his hair and I'm just like, okay, it's now or never, never. And I just hit the trigger. And to be honest, I just like spun back around and like kind of just tucked in a ball and just hid behind the decoy. Cause I thought, I mean, he was so close when I shot. I thought as soon as this thing goes off, he's charging. How close was he? I don't know. I still, I think he was definitely inside of 20 yards. I think he was probably about 15 yards. I mean, he was definitely like three strides away from just blasting me so i I hear whack really loud and i and i kind of turn and look through the legs of my decoy and i see the buck kind of just like stumbling off so i i just like stand up and i'm trying to load another arrow i stand up and the and the buck's just literally stumbling 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 and then just boom falls over and, I mean, he falls over within 40 yards of me. And I just remember it's the one time that I ever, like, screamed as loud as I could at the top of my lungs. I was just like, 
you know, I yelled, thank you, God, I remember that, and I just put my hands up, and I just said, I can't believe it, and I was just like, I kind of yelled, like, yeah, did anyone see that? <laughs> and, and, and I called, I called my buddy, and I'm like, I said, you gotta come, I said, I'm gonna literally stand right where I'm at until you get here, and I called Earl to come over, and I just, I literally just sat on the ground with the decoy leaning against me, and I told him, I, told him the whole story and he just looked at me like i was the biggest storyteller he had ever seen a lot of people i tell that story to they think the same thing but i mean it's it's the god honest truth i mean it was it was one of those days where everything that buck was in the right mood and you know he was just blind to what was going on he had one thing on his mind and there was you know in his eyes, he was seeing a deer, and there was no convincing him otherwise, you know. So he was uh, he was coming in to, to do his thing. It was just simply amazing. I think that there, you should be required to hunt from the ground from now on, and we just give you a decoy and your bow and just make you walk the fields until you kill one. <laughs> oh, man, it's gonna, I'm going to have a lot of tag sandwiches to eat here for a while. That's the case, I think. So, you know, that's a pretty incredible story, and like I said, you know, I, I'd be surprised if, if you ever run into a, a buck that stupid again, but, you know, maybe you will, because, like it. like you said, I mean, they do, they do get that way, you know, just for a short window of opportunity for us every year, and, and the point being is, you know, uh, not that any of us are going to try to do quite that, but it does illustrate the... Uh, the effectiveness of the decoy and the opportunity that exists when the bucks are in the right mood. So, yeah. So let, sure. let's start it that way. When you know, when do you decoy? What's the best time? Do you do you do you use them? You know, certainly. I you know you don't advocate using them on opening day of uh, bow season, right? No, no. Um, to be honest, I really feel like I really feel like my decoy is a is kind of a secret weapon. I mean, I I try to um, I, I'm a firm believer in in the fact that you can educate deer, whether it's you know association of a of an object or you know if you're always hunting the same stand, I think they just you know I think they start to understand that. I think think if your blind is in the same spot every single time, I think they understand that, and I think. I think if you were to utilize a decoy all the time and a few deer end up busting you with your decoy, I think they would start to associate that decoy with the human presence. So for me, I really save that decoy until those bucks are are in that frame of mind, for one. And for two, I like to save it for when the does are in the frame of mind where they really aren't wanting to be associating with those bucks. And what I mean by that is, you know, there comes a time, and here in the Midwest, it's normally, you know, you get to that later part of October, and you're going to start seeing, you know, when those does come out into the field, you're going to see those bucks come out, which is a good time to be hunting. But the bucks will come out, and what they're doing is they're going up and checking every single doe to see if, you know, if they're coming in. And if any of the does are even remotely close, you know, those bucks are just running them to death up and down. And that's why once once those first does come in, 
that's why it seems like you don't see near the mounted deer because mm-hmm. the does that are the does that are on your property realize that they're literally going to get run to death if the bucks find them, and a lot of them just hunker down until they're ready to be bred. You know, they go into hiding. And the other thing is, if they do come out and they're not ready to be bred, they see if they see a buck. A lot of times, you can see them. They kind of just like kind of hunker down and just slither off. You know, they're like, "Oh, maybe he didn't see me," and they kind of slither off. And that's a great time to be decoying because you don't have the does that are curious what your decoy is and end up coming up to it and kind of blowing the scene because you know the reality is, you know they're if the deer are sitting there staring at your decoy for a long time and it's not moving or they just, you know, look at it and circle around it to get its wind right away, you know, once they realize it's not real, then, you know, then they're going to be alarmed and they're going to leave. So, or, you know, maybe alarm more deer in the area. So I really don't prefer to decoy until I, until you hit that time where the does are really starting to get chased around a lot. And, you know, and the other thing is you can start seeing the bucks, you know, sometimes when the bucks come out, you know, if a buck comes out and he looks across the field and sees two deer running, he just hauls butt right to them. You know, when you start seeing those signs, that is the time to get your decoy out. Mm. Now let's talk about decoys themselves. There's obviously, there's a lot of decoys on the market and there's everything from, you know, a silhouette to uh, an actual taxidermy full body mount deer that some people will use, which, you know, is the ultimate of realism, I guess. What, uh, what kind of decoys have you used, uh, you know, in your hunting and, and do you have any recommendations or tips for choosing and setting up decoys yeah yeah so to be honest with you i think i've used every decoy except the blow-up ones i have not used one of those yet um and i you know personally i probably won't but and i have everything from you know a carry light decoy that's fairly inexpensive all the way up to you know i actually have a, a fully mounted um robo deer that i got um from that a guy that i know up in in wisconsin makes and uh you know here in iowa you're not allowed to use motorized decoys so you actually have to um you know i'm allowed to use it as a still decoy but i have to remove the battery pack and everything out of it um but some states do allow motorized decoys during um during the the archery season mm-hmm. and i can tell you that if you have one they are they're definitely the ultimate because uh and you don't have to move them all the time but and i'll i guess i'll just go through this real quick um if you do have a motorized decoy when the deer come out and they start to you know they start to interact with your decoy there normally comes a point where you know if if things are just too perfect that they just kind of look at the deer and they might flick their tail or they might bob their head. And what they're doing is they're trying to just get confirmation from the decoy that you're real. And it doesn't, a flick of the tail is all you need. Or or even like 
the ones where I can turn their head. I mean, literally, if I turn the head three inches and then stop, it's all that you need for them to realize, okay, that as soon as they realize they can move, then you can just tell they're like, then it's a done deal. I mean, it's a sealed deal. They're going to, once they realize it's a real deer or think that it is, the next thing they're going to immediately do is circle it. So if you do have a decoy that is motorized or if you're going to, or if you're going to buy one that is, then don't move it all the time and only move it if you absolutely have to. If the deer interacting with it are acting like, you know, if they start to bob or even if they kind of stomp lightly one time, if you just flick the tail one time, then that's all you need. You'll see they'll kind of pick their head back up and think, okay, well, it's it's live, I'm coming in. Um, but if you don't have a motorized decoy, Kind of the one that I really like right now is that Dave Smith decoy. Um, it's the posturing buck, and it's a really unique pose. It's actually unlike any pose that's out there right now because of the fact that the deer is kind of in a posturing um, stance, almost like the one that I had coming into me that time off the ground. And uh, what's cool about that is... Um, you know, a lot of the deer decoys that are out there are in a very alerted position. You know, their heads are straight up in the air, their ears are forward, and, like, their tail's, like, sticking out. And, you know, that's a – deer do that when something's – you know, if they heard something that is strange or if something's alarmed them or if they've seen something that they're curious about, mm-hmm. they go into that alerted position. So sometimes that, you know, that kind of demeanor – can can almost when other deer come out if you ever have a decoy you know if your decoy is in that position and your past experience has been deer come out and they just kind of stretch out and just stare at it you know maybe it's because of that positioning because there are a few decoys on the market that are a little bit more alert than i like this buck is in a position to where he looks like he's either in a protective mode of say you know a lot of times when they have their does and they're you know they're on lockdown mode which is a great time for decoying because bucks are looking for another doe to be in heat you know a lot of times those bucks after they run all day they'll they'll let that doe bed down and then they just kind of protect that doe around her and that's you know and that's a really kind of a similar position to what this buck is mm-hmm. so uh you know i really like that decoy um one it's it's not a lot more than the ones that are in the market, but the realism is is a hundred percent noticeable. Not to mention, um, it's made in America, which for me, you know, it seems like any of the any of the archery companies right now that are focusing on making products here in the USA, I think is you know, I think is definitely noteworthy and and worth a little bit more to keep some jobs here too. But uh, the downside to those decoys that might look a bit a little bit more real the ones that are in that you know five to six hundred dollar four to six hundred dollar range is you know the ones that look the most real are not going to be as portable Mm -hmm. um you know but i can tell you my success has been higher with decoys that look more realistic um my my decoy success is definitely the highest with either you know either the last two that I've talked about. The big bummer to um, 
to the bucks that are fully stuffed is they cannot get wet at all. So, I mean, if it's a misty day or a chance of rain or if there's a little bit of snow coming down, I mean, what you do get that during the rut, you know, you can't take your fully stuffed decoy out. So, um, and actually, uh, one of the real big bucks that I killed here in Iowa happened. Um, I killed him the day after I had my best day ever decoying. Um, I used that stuffed decoy. And that day, this was, I guess it was two or three years ago, um, and it's actually one of those exact decoy setups that will be in that article. We've got it all mapped out on Google Earth, how I set up the whole thing. And uh, I decoyed 22 bucks in one day, um, ranging from, you know, year-and-a-half-old to three-and-a-half, four-year-old deer, 22 bucks in one day. And, and, every, and when I say decoy them, I mean they... They didn't just see the decoy 200 yards away. I mean, they actually interacted with the decoy, and I could have shot 22 bucks in one day. And I actually, it was so good. Um, that was my first time in that setup. Everything was just perfect. It was so good, I actually laid my decoy down and put my jacket, um, I think my jacket or my backpack cover or something, I laid it over the top of that decoy, and uh, and then I was going to come back the next morning, and when I came out that next day, it started raining. So I actually ran out there, and I was kind of bummed out because I had to I had to co- take everything out of my pack and cover the decoy on the ground, and uh, and I had to hunt in that spot without the decoy. But that's actually the um, the hamburger bag buck that I shot. Um, <clears throat> Big Mike. It was, yeah, it was Big Mike. So, and and I'm here to tell you that where Big Mike came out, if my decoy would have been up, and, and I would have shot Big instead of me shooting Big Mike, kind of coming across the way that he did, I would have shot Big Mike. I guarantee you, at 15 yards straight under me, because everything was exactly the same as the day before. Big Mike came out of the same exact main deer travel path, and when he came across that field and I grunted at him, he turned and looked my direction, but instead of him seeing a buck there and actually being able to do exactly what we want him to do with the buck, he came, you know, he just came to swing a big circle around my tree um, to, you know, get the wind of what grunted at him, whereas if that decoy is out in that field the way we talk about it, you know, they'll normally button hook right to where they're right underneath you. So it would have it would have been perfect, but and if I would have had like my Dave Smith decoy, I would have been able to have it up, you know. So that that is the the positive side to having a deer that's not fully mounted, is that you can take them out, you can leave them out, um, which I actually think is important, you know, just like airing out your clothes um, before season, things like that, you know, your decoy. It's going to be good if you can wash it ahead of season and then put it in a place where it can just naturally, you know, fume, you know, just kind of get the fumes off of it, let it air out, and and kind of have more of a natural outside smell. Um, it's definitely going to increase your increase your odds. Talk about uh, talk about your placement of your decoy in relation to your stand and and how you sort of position that for an ideal shot angle okay well what you always want to do um or what i found is 
brought the most success for me is one the bucks normally like to come into another buck especially if they're going to come in to fight it they normally like to come in looking at it they want to see if that buck's coming at them they want to see if the buck's turning his head for a challenge you know they want to they want to be looking at that buck so with that in mind um and the fact that you know you actually want the live deer when they're focusing on that on that decoy you really want them to not have their eyes focused on in your general direction because obviously you've got to draw your bow or you may have to even grunt at them um you know depending on what they're doing so what i do is i take my decoy and 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 the other thing too is the bucks that approach or any deer that like to approach that decoy they're hardly ever going to come at it in a straight line they're going to want to button hook that decoy to get to get on the downwind side of it and smell it so and with that in mind, they also like to keep a safe zone between themselves and that decoy until they, you know, understand that they can they can interact with it. So I like to take my decoy and I put it about 30 yards out in front of me. You know, one, if a deer did ever just go straight to the decoy, you know, a 30-yard shot's practical. But like I said, the high majority of the time they are going to circle that thing with a comfort zone and they're going to try to get downwind of it. So by putting it 30 yards out in front of you, the idea is that deer, is, as it comes in, is going to be halfway between you and your decoy, kind of giving you a 10 to 20-yard shot at the most. Mm-hmm. So you want the wind always blowing from the decoy straight to you. Um if by chance, you know, you know 100% the deer are all going to be coming mainly from, you, like, say, your right, and that then that decoy's wind's blowing towards you, you could put your decoy a little bit further to your left so that the deer actually come by you, you know, to get down one of that decoy before they actually get its wind. I mean, that's perfect. Now, if your decoy is really aired out good or... What I really like to do is as soon as my buddies, as soon as me or one of my friends shoot a buck um, within that week, because a lot of times once rut's going and people are shooting deer, mm-hmm. um, you can actually even go down and get it from your local, from a local butcher shop that have deer getting checked in. Go down there and cut some of those hocks off the back legs. And mm-hmm. I love setting those or just set them right up on the top of, of your decoy and if it's aired out and not contaminated and you have that on there, then you're going to have deer that come in and just sit there and either stare at it or circle it and kind of square off to it. And eventually, you know, a lot of times they just end up plowing it over. And once they hit it, then, it, you know, then the game's up. But, you know, if you have that decoy out there at 30 yards, its wind is blowing at your face, then anything that approaches it is going to try to get downwind of it. And you're going to, those deer are going to come in and they're going to be, you know, right in front of you, and they're going to be looking away from you, which is perfect for a bow hunter. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Yeah, that's uh, that's going to be a good shot. You know, I've shot with John. I know that he can he could just about as easily uh, kill something at a hundred yards as he could at ten, but uh, not so much for myself. So I I like the. 
I like the top pin. That's my favorite. I, the top pin is, um, I really like it too. I, mean, <laughs> I, I wish, I wish, uh, I wish I could, I could only have one pin on my bow all the time and know that's the only one that I needed really. And, and the one thing with decoying is, you know, when it's, when it's happening, and especially if you ever have a hot doe come through your area with a decoy, even if deer just, even if they never see your decoy and they just run by it, you know there's going to be other bucks trailing that scent, mm-hmm. and then you're in an ideal situation because as soon as a buck starts to come up and, like, say he has his nose down on the ground following that scent, and you know how sometimes when deer are in that, like, smell mode, you they're like in a trance. They almost don't respond to like, they don't see things around them or nothing. They're just like in smell mode. Mm-hmm. A lot of times when you have bucks that are on that trail like that, you can hit them with a grunt right away. And as soon as they look at your decoy, just leave it. And if they lock onto you, they're going to immediately think, okay, well, there's the buck that's got the dough and, you know, and they're going to come in and, and, you know, the other thing too, that we talk about, in the article is I've really increased my interaction using a decoy by going to one horn. You know, it seems like the one horn buck is, is less intimidating to say those, you know, two and a half year old deer or the, you know, a year and a half to two and a half year old deer, you know, and I realize that, you know, and and for years and years and years, you know, if it's, you know, I've got a, I've got tons of one twenty bucks that I've shot, you know, bucks that are just great two and a half year old deer, nice racks, but they're not poking young quality deer, you know. The the realistic thing is that's what you know the highest majority of us hunters are. We'd be tickled to death with that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, those types of deer, the ones that aren't, you know, a fully educated and mature buck those are the ones that just certainly eight out of ten times just fall for this setup so you know if you're if 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 you're going to be a hundred percent happy with interacting with deer like that then you know take one of the horns off and and let your decoy appear to be a subdominant buck in the area because you know bucks are going to definitely come just to prove a point and run that thing away right well that that's something else i was thinking about you know with all of this it's so much um you know same thing last issue i wrote a big article about calling deer and rattling and kind of the same thing where you know you talk about so many of these things happening in the midwest and we all think well yeah, sure, in Iowa or Illinois or Kansas and places where you have a lot of mature bucks, you know, maybe that's great. But then I'm here at home in Pennsylvania or somebody's down in, you know, North Carolina or Georgia, um, just a lot of different areas, you know, through the whitetail range where the age structure isn't quite the same. Um you know, maybe guys have had some bad experience with decoying or they spooked some deer. Um what do you think uh have you experienced i know like you used to live in wisconsin but you've hunted all over um does it work you know in in places where there's not as many big mature bucks and 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 do you use a decoy in those places john yeah absolutely um and you know i'm originally a mississippi boy so you know i 
you know, I've got family down there and, and, you know, I still, I still really enjoy hunting, you know, my old home state of Mississippi. I mean, and it's, you know, Mississippi's obviously come a long way in the last couple of years. They've got some great bucks, some amazing bucks coming out of Mississippi. But even back as, you know, back to when, um, when I was really start cutting my teeth and decoying, um, Mississippi was, I was very effective with it then, you know, and, and granted it comes down to timing. You know, I went down to Mississippi one year and I drove down there and I took my decoy and I had a great, uh, five days of hunting over my decoy. And I'm pretty sure I even took a buck over the decoy. Um, but it was down there. It was like right after Christmas. I think I even shot them maybe on New Year's Day or right before maybe New Year's Eve. You know, but that's when they're in their full swing of that type of deer activity. Mm-hmm. You, know, you have to know, you know, you have to know when that timing is. Um, you know, and and the other thing too is like we talked about. You know, and I think this is the case not only with decoys but also with calling. You know, if you make it a habit to call it every single deer that you see, even if you're not going to shoot it, you start to educate those deer on that. You know, I've got a buddy of mine that uh, that I hunt with, and, you know, he gets he hunts a lot. He hunts almost every day. So he gets bored of, you know, kind of gets bored out there not seeing the big bucks all the time. So, you know, he kind of got in the habit of, you know, he'd see a, year and a half old buck or two year old buck out there you know and he'd rattle at it or call at it and you know and he'd get a kick out of telling me oh, i called him right to the tree and he, you know messed around there for a while and you know i was just messing with him and i'm like man you know that deer is going to be impossible to do that to at three and a half you know or four and a half if you're if you're hunting a place especially if it's your own place you know Try not to educate the deer when it comes to things that you're using to trick them, you know, whether it's calling or whether it's decoying. And if you've had bad luck with your decoy in the past, maybe think about these things that, that we talked about and and try to remember, were you not doing it that way? Because I know for, for myself, and I actually need to give some credit here, you know, a big part of my education curve on going properly came from Gary Clancy uh you know back in I forget it had to have been 12 or 13 years ago now Gary and I actually um got put in a truck together to drive out to Montana to whitetail hunt together and uh when we were on our way out there we got on the subject of decoying because Gary's written a few different books about decoying bucks and he's very experienced with it and you know, just listening to Gary talk to me about some of these setups, you know, I realized that when my decoying was working was because I was doing a lot of the things just by chance that he was letting me know that I needed to do. And when it wasn't working, you know, there's times where, you know, I've had times where I've gone on a hunt in Illinois and I've gone down there like that third week of October for like a hunt and I took my decoy down there, and I can remember that, like, I ran every single deer off that saw it. Like, deer, does were coming out and, like, snorting at me and, you know, running off, and bucks would come out, and, you know, 
be feeding in the field perfectly and then all of a sudden they'd see that thing and they'd you know start to get a little bit freaked out by it and then just run off and i remember just thinking man this is this just is not working but now looking back at when i was on that hunt i was a week and a half two weeks early i would have been way better off just sitting on a food source letting the deer naturally come out and feed mm-hmm. rather than rather than go out there and, and try to you know put this decoy out there that's obviously two weeks ahead of the rest of the herd schedule you know what i mean right right well you know you don't know until you try and uh making mistakes is part of the game but uh you certainly have made your share and experienced uh, your share of success too so we can benefit from your experiences and you, you offered a lot of really good tips today john and you know i uh i'm kind of excited about doing more decoying this year than i have previously and and uh, i got to be honest with you you know i'm one of those people that have had you know not such great experiences with it in the past and and maybe you know probably because i was doing some of the same things as far as maybe trying to use it a little too early or not having it set up properly or maybe not the right decoy but uh when i go to illinois this year the first uh full week of november i definitely want to give a few good sits with that decoy and see what i can see because you know not just only the possibility of killing you know a really nice buck but to just have some of those interactions and observations like you said to maybe you know kind of get the thrill of seeing some bucks react to it and and come in and and posture and maybe you know kind of uh stiff leg around that thing that would be exciting just to even see it you know never mind actually take a deer yeah and this actually brings up one more thing that we actually didn't talk about in the article um so i definitely have the majority of my luck decoying in the mornings Hmm. the mornings through midday we didn't talk about that in the article but um so Especially in the morning time, those bucks are the bucks are cruising. In late morning, I'm a big fan of, you know, here in Iowa, I killed three bucks in three straight years between 11:11 and 11:13 in the morning. You know, I'm a big fan of late mornings, and when those bucks are in those moods where they've, you know, where they've either left their doe for the day and they go into that midday cruising mode looking for the next one. Or even, you know, that's off, That's actually a good time to rattle and stuff because those bucks are a lot of times by themselves and they'll respond. That's a great time to decoy. Now, if you're, you know, when you go to Illinois, you've got a really good setup down there where there's food plots and stuff. Mm-hmm. I would still recommend, like, if you're going on an outfitted hunt, you know, I would still recommend saving that evening hunt for a food source and maybe not taking... You know, if you're if you're in a transition period between like a bedding area and that food source, then I think in the evening that decoy setup would work. But when you know there's going to be deer concentrating to the food source, it's not going to be advantageous to have a decoy that's just sitting out there in the middle of it that's not doing anything for the whole night. Mm-hmm. So you know, try to. Try to keep that in mind, too, so that you're able to to maximize that. You know, you might want to use your decoys in the morning and then jump on a food source or something, you know, for for that evening hunt. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Well, definitely uh, some food for thought, and and like I said, I want to give it a try just uh, just to see. You know, uh, variety is the spice of life, and uh, you know, part of the big part of your hunt is just enjoying the whole experience. You know, I mean, the kill the kill just takes a couple seconds when it finally happens, so it's cool to just pack as many neat experiences into your time out there as you can. And I really appreciate you being with us, John. Again. Uh, those of you who are listening, make sure you get a copy of our November issue because John's got some diagrams and photos and gives you all the details right there in black and white. It'll help you to be successful decoying this year. And, um, you know, I just wish you the best of luck, John. Uh, I know you're going to be out there doing your thing, uh, decoying those big Iowa brutes and uh, probably see another hero shot with you. Uh, before too much longer well the one thing i will tell you otherwise is next year you're drawing an iowa tag (laughs) i know i got i think i have four points now i was gonna try and come this year but you said don't bother the ehd and the drought was too bad in 2012 and i need some time to recover so hopefully you get another good season next year and yeah i'm coming man i'm gonna sit in front of that decoy put that dave smith decoy out for me and get me in one of those stands because you know i need a 10 to 15 yard shot well i'll tell you right now if if you draw next year then we're gonna just focus on getting you a buck over Jethro, because I'm, <laughs> I'm fairly certain I can make that happen. Oh, man. That'd be good. Yep. The Jethro. Yep. I can see the headline now. The Jethro buck. <laughs> yep. 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 All right. Jethro and Jethrina, but normally Jethro works it works it the best during that time. So. All right, man. Well, that sounds great. Yeah. And uh, really, again, thank you, John. Um, I'll be... I'll be checking you out, uh, watching my email box for your photos and checking you out on the Sportsman Channel and seeing all your adventures of Dud and Little Dud and Mrs. Dud and all the stuff that you're yeah, people on Knock can, On. Yeah, people can watch um, Season 3 of Knock On now for free, too. Um, if they go to knockontv.com, you can go to the... Uh, to the videos tab and we've got season one two and three of the show that you can play for free so that's uh and there's a lot of education in my show too which you know as well so yeah, people could definitely take advantage of that yeah the field recon tips and and um there's another one that you do i can't remember the name the of, dead right? center the, the dead, dead center, center segment that's right so absolutely yeah you do a good job of putting some practical advice in every episode so that. All right, buddy. Good luck this season. Again, thanks for your time. All right. Thanks. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, presented by Easton's new ultra micro diameter injection arrows. For more information, pick up a copy of Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine on newsstands now. <laughs>